0: This is the EP Growth Podcast from Hunter Rehabilitation and Health. We're here to grow the exercise physiology profession through supporting the professional and personal growth of young EPs in the industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the EP Growth Podcast. I'm joined today by Mark and Josh for another case study. Uh, today, we're talking about stroke. How are we, boys? Josh, you well? Mate, sensational. Another week at Hunter Rehab? <laughs> <It's> flying. <laughs> Mark, how are you, mate? You got, got your eye on Friday already, boys, or what? Oh, looking forward to the weekend. The real footy starts this weekend, so getting excited. <laughs> the real, <the> real footy. <laughs> My God. That's a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, we'll just let that go through to the keeper. But, um, guys, today we're talking about stroke. Um, so I think we've got a bit of a, a case study here to run through, so um how often would you see stroke in the clinic mark um at the moment i currently have three clients who've had a stroke um mm-hmm. and i've seen a, a few more um, before that as well so um yeah definitely come across it each week uh and in different sort of levels as well or different degrees of severity yeah i'm sure is that similar to you joshie or what's your experience has been with it before yeah, look, admittedly, um, no stroke clients on my client list at the moment um have worked with probably about a dozen in the past. so you' getting like all different sort of ranges in terms of functionality and and post I guess stroke time frames. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, you, you do see like a lot of variation between them all, which is good. Yeah. yeah, cool. so I think that's probably unless you're working out of a specific stroke based clinic is probably reasonably normal, the, the spread of your clients. so, Um, Might be a a few more there for the average person, but anyway, certainly going to see stroke in a private practice. And so it's something we want to try and work through in terms of our case studies here on this podcast. But we've put together one. So a case study, let's rip into it. So we have got a 60-year-old woman who had a stroke two years ago. So the left side is affected, although she can still walk and use the arm. Movement is slower on the left side. She tends to walk with her arm in a sling, uh, sling type position. Uh, she says she can move her arm fine but feels very weak in her whole body. There's no joint or muscle pain though. So uh, this lady likes to garden uh, and going out to lunch with her family. She can't drive and relies on support workers for cleaning and driving her around and cooking most meals. Uh, the goal is for her to be able to garden for an hour without needing a break and be confident to use her left arm to do basic home chores so less reliance on her support workers sound good Sounds fairly great. fairly standard sort of presentation i suppose yeah does it like, sound familiar mark <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah context around this are basically sort of one of my clients so um yeah but uh, a few key uh, yeah. details have been <laughs> <altered>. <laughs> yeah key de- details um but yeah it's this is probably one where they're not as affected by the strokes it's probably coming to different sort of levels um where some are quite got the hemiplegia on one side where they're quite affected, they're wheelchair bound or they're even struggling to walk at all, um, where two ones that are, I guess, nearly fully um, recovered, but this is sort of one in the in the, in the middle side of um, of all that, but um, quite common with stroke patients. Yeah, I think that's sort of you know, trying to touch on it at the top if you're at a, a fairly um, acute stroke clinic so dealing with people that sort of have recently had strokes like you're probably going to be seeing people that are quite um, severely impacted by the stroke symptoms and yeah as you're talking about this is typical of what we may see here in our clinic sort of could go a little bit more a little bit less in terms of the, its impact but standard kind of presentation so i guess to kick it off guys um let's start with you Joshi subjective part of the consult what sort of things do you want to look for what do you want to know what are you asking uh yeah like someone like this the first thing i sort of go to is um i guess like who's supporting um i guess like any sort of funding So are they on the ndis um are they on some sort of other package um to sort of work out what sort of capacity we have moving forward for them um if they're on the ndis there's like other goals that are sort of going to be related to this case that you want to sell sort of like help i guess achieve in this in this period of time um outside of that it's it's just like anyone else who sort of comes in um what are you sort of struggling with at home um at work or any other sort of activities um and then yeah what what are the goals yeah yeah what are you what are you looking at there mark um yeah outside i try to sort of i guess from my side of things look outside the normal common questions you might ask in most initials but um i'm trying to get a real gauge on their um how they go about their activities daily living so that's kind of how i base a lot of my programming and and testing around for for stroke clients is you know how they go at go at home in this case this lady likes to garden so i'm trying to figure out okay what's um what do you like about gardening what's difficult how long can you garden for now where do you want to get to do you need support doing that Uh, what's the biggest struggle and then also day-to-day life like you know, it looks like you can't do a lot of the home chores. I don't know what's stopping you. Um, what is a pain? Is it function? Is it controlling that left side? Um, and then, yeah, from that looking as well, like, have you had any other, um, have you exercised or used exercise before? Normally quite common early on in stroke, they would do some intensive rehab program. So it would have been good to know what they did. Did they get results? Um, what they might have missed doing that maybe we can include, Um, and even things like, um, get an idea on like what their speech is like as well. So if their speech is affected, does that impact on the way we communicate? So if I'm trying to explain something or ask questions, however, their speech is affected, that could also really impact on the programming and sort of, um, I guess how we can go about our sessions. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to really get a gauge on, on their function within their daily life. Mm. You can already tell this is it's going to be a lot there's a lot you can do and, and go through with this type of very client. detailed but yeah i think uh probably important but on, on different levels there right so joshie it's yeah you do need to know what are what are we working with here in, in terms of it's ndis like um how often are you going to be able to come and things like that um I'm not leading with that, but it's certainly something I would like to know. And then as you've said there, like what support have you got? Like, are you able to come to the clinic? Am I going to have to come out and see you at your home? What have you got at home? Have you got any sort of support there in terms of people to help you complete the exercises, access to equipment and things like that? So that's certainly very important. Um, But yeah, what you've touched on there, Mark, I like to find out pretty early on um, where exactly in their daily life is this impacting them the most try to get as specific as we can about that because that's going to guide me through probably what tests I want to do and then what prescriptions I want to do later on. So I'll look to build it around that. Um, other things I like to find out early on is what have they been told about their condition so far? I find that's pretty important on a number of different factors. So things like motivation and buy-in, um, willingness to persist with the program, and mental health um so oftentimes you'll see people unfortunately and they've just been told that's it stop getting any better that's it for you and trying to get someone to buy into an exercise program that is, is going to take some time so the progress may be slow and their views are that's that's a significant barrier that would need to be addressed pretty early have you guys experienced that yeah yeah definitely sometimes <laughs> the other way around too like um Okay. I had yeah. This that's one interesting. Who's, whose mother, like they were probably maybe three or four years down the track. And the the mother, who was at quite an age, sort of came in one day and said, like, how much closer is she to being able to be back at full function? Hmm. When, you know, that was a tough conversation to sort of have to have to say, look, that's not realistic for, for this client. It's a, it's a matter of maintaining what they've, what they've sort of got at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's a it's an individual thing, right? Like some people are, are going to have more um, impairment than others, but how does that conversation go? Is that sort of something you're prepared to say, forget it basically, or is it like you're a little bit more diplomatic than that with how you go about it? Yeah, you've got to be diplomatic about it. You've got to come from a place of empathy at the same time too. Um, mm. You know, there is, there is still benefits of, of coming here and, and maintaining mm. what you've got. Um, hmm. you want to reflect on the progress that you've made in, in this period of time since I've been coming here. Um, yeah. yeah, Not to say there's not improvements that are still going to happen. It's just, unfortunately, the reality is some people don't get back to 100% what they were doing before. Yeah, I think that's probably, Mark, I'll ask you in a second, maybe, but I'm not sure. I don't think I would say to the person, I don't think I would ever say, this is it. You're not going to get any better. I think I would outline to them yeah. that um you know, it's going to be very difficult and it, and we may not get there and you need to understand that. We're going to do everything we can that there's and there's things that will impact this, but um, you need to understand the the realities of of stroke and uh, that not everyone does make full recovery. So I'll be trying to just sort of, um, establish either way, like get get them aligned that,, yeah, we're going to do our best, but let's not be too far either way here. Is that sort of how you would do it, Mark? Or? Yeah, it's interesting to say that. It's um, Yeah, I like to be pretty honest straight up that a lot of like, especially in stroke and a lot of other neurological conditions, it gradually declines over time. Mm. Um, and I like to let them know pretty much straight up that, you know, exercises that Joshie was touching on is about either maintaining your function or ensuring you can remain independent at home do your daily activities, daily living, get outside, play with the grandkids, whatever it might be. Um, and I try and come from that perspective. So um, a way of keeping them on board is, hey, we're doing this to, to really ensure you can um, be the best you can be. But, yeah, I tend to as well stay away from that conversation where possible if they don't ask of so – unless they say, like, am I going to get better? I tend to just keep it on the positive. So – yeah, you're doing great, we're going to, you've progressed this much or, yeah, we're really focusing on on your function at the moment. So, um, yeah, trying to keep it a really positive mindset, I guess, from the outgo. Yeah, I think what you touched on there is probably the key to it, right, is to narrow the focus a little bit. So, what you know, am I going to be back to my my full self or to be, you know, where's to that effect? What does that mean? Like what is to be... Um, you yeah, know, pretty stroke mean to you? And is that like, it might be just, I would just like to be able to um, do some gardening. And that's the example we've got here, right? Is, is gardening. Yeah, okay. Well, what is the major difficulty you have with gardening now? Yeah, okay. Let's get this more specific. And then, okay, well, we can focus on that. Okay, it's this one specific thing that we need to improve on. Let's focus on that. And that may be achievable. We can target, we can show improvement in that, but it's much harder to show like to, to take someone's whole life and say, well, is, is that the way it was before the stroke? And that like, that's really difficult, that's a broad thing. And it's going to be so much, um, it, it has so much impact in so many different avenues of your life that, yeah, the, the chances of that are almost zero, but we can take this one thing now that you're really struggling with and we can really hone in on that. And the chances of that getting better are much, much better. So that's potentially a way to go about it there, but it's, um, tricky conversation, take some skills, um, and a solid relationship with your client, I suppose. But um, yeah, I've touched on you know, what equipment they might have at home. I think ex- the, the ability to get to the clinic and whatnot really matters because if they can't come to the clinic, it's now dependent on your um, calendar and also what, sort of, uh, what their ability is to fund treatment for you to be able to go to their home, do sessions at home. So I know looking at everyone's calendars here, the ability for our guys to do home visits is much less... Uh, than it is for their ability to see clients here in the clinic. It's just time. It takes time to get to people's houses. So I do like to know that. Um, mental health, how much are you guys considering that in the in the first part of it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd like to know where they sit in relation to, I guess we just kind of just chatted about it, like their prospect of recovery and um, their thoughts around, their beliefs around exercise, motivation um everything's like that if i do tend to find that someone with a neurological condition especially in a stroke to have some like mild depression or anxiety or stress about maybe what the future holds um which does impact on a lot on their willingness to do the exercises and and motivation especially outside our sessions as well which is a big thing trying to mm. Them because with especially with stroke, like repetition is key, you want to get them doing as much as possible, moving as much as possible. Um, and you need to do that, you can't be with them 24 hours a day, so you need to know know what their motivation is outside. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a big factor when looking at programming. Josh, you're talking to some of the, I think, probably students, and then maybe some of the like the really uh new grads that have come through here, and and I'll ask them, like, how do you go about um mentioning discussing mental health with your clients and often it's appointments i don't know i'm not sure it's something i would refrain from because i feel like i'm i'm not skilled enough in that area or, or words to that effect so how would you approach that topic with a with this client yeah it's it's hard like you said you don't want to just come out and just say how's your mental health it's just blunt. there's no way you're gonna just rush out there and say that i try to find things in conversation that they bring up and sort of just like try and ask open questions around that. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, last week was a really dull sort of week because X, Y, Z. And then I try to explore that more. Okay. So, you know, why was it such a dull week? Um, You know, who could we sort of get in there to support you to make it better? Um, And just really try and like open up from there rather than just jumping straight to the point, make it more of a open platform to sort of, describe what's going on and, and just let them take control of that sort of communication. Sometimes I don't want to talk about it at all, which is fine. And yeah. at that point, you sort of probably need to rely on building a bit of a report over the first couple of sessions before that comes out. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably different person to person. Yeah. I've found it's the, like we've touched on it before, the types of questions you, you ask and, and your ability to lead a conversation. And then at some point it's going to be the courage to just ask the question. Like you can have the perfect, perfect opportunity, and then just not go there because you're like, ah, oh, I don't know, I don't want to do it. Whatever you found, Mark. Yeah, I'm sitting here itching to <laughs> my you to finish. Stand up, brace. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I'm probably going to go the opposite of you, Joshy. There, um, I'm asking them straight up, like, how do you find Ooh. your mental health? Oh God, podcast, yeah. right, podcast. Get the gloves out. Worst fight ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're going to you're gonna go straight into it, now. Go on. Yeah, on. I'm not doing it as my first question of the whole session. So I'm doing it more towards the end of the subjective questioning. So hopefully by this time, I've built a bit of rapport, got to know mm-hmm. them a little bit, and I've found that they're usually pretty open to talk about their mental health. So a lot of that stigmas, um, like now compared to maybe ten years ago is is a lot better. So people are more the happy to talk about their mental health. So, um, and yeah, I find that, you know, that question like, how do you find your your mental health since having the stroke? And then, again, like they're usually pretty open to to discussing that. And then, as Joshy said, then that opens up to that open platform for them to, you know, how how's your day to day? How's your week? Do you need more support, etc. So um yeah i'm just normally not sort of fluffing around to it i'd sort of get into that nitty-gritty bit of it i guess just see think, i'm thinking out loud here like you just mentioned stigma there and do you reckon if you were to tiptoe around it and sort of oh, i don't want to bring it up or you know things that you show that you're not overly confident in it that sort of emphasizes that it is something to um be ashamed of or um yeah words to that effect like to it, it uh, magnifies that stigma whereas if you just sort of commonly go, so yeah like how is your mental health it sort of it shows that it's not something to hide in the shadows and tiptoe around it is that okay to talk about it yeah that's exactly it um yeah yeah i find like you yeah, if you're like confident calm like just having like a normal discussion with them mm. and yeah it's like yeah how do you find your mental health Um, Mm. people like you just like it's a part of normality so um, Mm. people are more open and free to sort of talk about that rather than just like oh um i don't really like asking this question but you know how's your mental health or like you're really unsure about it there it does add to that that stigma so to say but yeah definitely Mm. i think most people are open to talking about it so um yeah just don't be afraid to ask how people's mental health is yeah i'd like to I've spoken before about it and I like to really structure things and and have it so my consults will flow and and it's easy to build onto certain parts of it. But I would be leaning to go like, how does this show up for the most part in your day? Where is this most affecting you? And it it might be, I used to um, go out for lunch with my friends and I can drive myself there and all those sorts of things. And now I can't do that. And I go, okay, sure. I understand that. How does that make you feel? Something like that. And yeah, that that starts that conversation there, and um, you can sort of start to, to go down. Okay, and do you have you spoke to anybody about that to get some some help with that, or you're now in that conversation? you just sort of now you're flowing and reacting with that part of the conversation, and it's it's a very natural transition of things. And um, and the, the person, and sometimes you might even say to you, like, if you don't feel like talking about it, yeah, we don't have to. That's okay. Just sort of provide them that that opportunity to sort of. It's up to you you can be safe here in this chat, but certainly needs to be spoken about. You touched on it as well, Mark. It is important to know what type of stroke they had. And now we have covered it in in this podcast that you're probably only going to see that issue big stroke here, right? In, in for the most part, like um, if they're coming to you to, for, for exercise physiology treatment, it's probably the main one you're going to see. But yeah, that's going to determine what type of rehab you will choose moving forward. So you are going to do that traditional sort of um Strength-based stuff, or range of motion, or just relearning basic movements, or is it about trying to decrease the pressure in the brain? So you're probably not going to see the latter type, but it is important to know and understand. Have you guys, have you guys ever, ever seen that, like the the hemorrhagic stroke? Um, yeah, I have got a client at the moment that has it, um, or yeah, or who has had it, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I started seeing him, I think about four years post-stroke three four mm. years post-stroke so uh he yeah i guess he'd, he'd done his initial acute rehab and then there was just a long period of where he didn't do a lot so mm. which makes it a lot more difficult um and it's, it's stuff you got to be mindful of in relation to like the postural changes can can bring on things like that and changes in blood pressure things you got to be mindful of but um yeah they're really great in- considerations actually if you're going to yeah, you're trying to move someone around if they've been doing all these different exercises and all you're doing is making them dizzy and flaring their blood pressure up, you'd want to understand that that can happen. Mm, yeah, that's why, right. Why is your balance off? Well, we're about to pass out. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that's exactly it. All right, very good. So top of stroke. Um, all right, boys, subjective stuff. We've, we've reasonably covered that there. I'd suggest there's you know, all the types of questions we've covered in other podcasts as well as this one today. So, um, you should be able to sort of figure that out from from what we've discussed already. But I guess getting into um, outcome measures, what would you be looking to um, to test, build your programming around, Mark? Oh, straight to me. This is Josh's jam. He's the objective king. Is it? Oh, right, yeah, Josh, MVP. Let's have it oh, I want to hear it. first. <laughs> I want to first. He always deals me oh, yeah. he always Listen to it. Me Listen to it. Now you go. Now you go, Josh. You're up. Me. Look, I've got, <laughs> I've got a, um, a range of things. Um, so I started off with just the hand grip. to so compare left versus right as uh, she wanted to be confident using a left arm for ADLs. So that can be a part of that. Uh, I've went the active force dyno for some low limb strength. Again, just comparing that left first, right to get a few baselines to see everything sort of like move forward. In terms of like mobility and sort of fitness, I went with a two minute walk and a three minute timed up and go. Uh, and then a, a, what I call a four-stage balance test. I don't know if you guys know that one. Just feet together, semi-tandem, tandem, single mm-hmm. leg. Those yeah. are your four stages. Um, there's other ones that we don't do here, but I've seen before. Um, more fine motor sort of like up limb tests. They're called yeah. box and block and yeah. like keyholes. So I know OTs do a lot of those too, which um, again, like if they're seeing an OT on their NDIS plan, that's probably something that they're, Helping work, work towards as well and don't really want to overlap, but yeah, it just depends. I'm intrigued. What you got all the same answers, Mark? Or just quickly, just write them all down. down. <laughs> this is gold, this is um, reverse order, <laughs> yeah. But I'd probably literally have nearly the exact same as you, Joshy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, if, um, if, if, I guess, if you've gone, if you've I, gone, is it, is it all the same, or is nah, it? It's it's similar, I guess. Um, mine. Are probably not your typical way of doing them. So, um, for example, like I got a timed up and go, but I'm trying to relate this to something they're doing at home. So, for example, gardening. So I'm going, okay, is the issue with the gardening, like you need to dig holes. You can get down off the on the ground, but you'd struggle to get up. Okay, let's have a look at how you go getting down and getting up. Um, or if it's a struggle to get up from the lounge and walk to the bathroom. Okay, let's have a look at that, time it. And try and increase that speed or, or whatever it might be. So, doing it specific to something they're struggling with at home. Um, I got grip strength as well. So, I'm looking at both sides. I had fine motor skills tests. So, Joshie's um, jumped onto those <laughs> ones. And yeah, what something I've chucked in here to do is some reaction tests as well. So, um, looking for falls prevention sort of direction as well as a bit of balance. So, we got these. Um, these blaze pods so they're light up pods in our clinic that we can use for both upper and lower body um, reaction you can set times and like how many times you you hit the certain colors um, you can give an idea of, of definitely their balance their reaction time motor skills um, and then yeah it's pretty simple to just measure the number in that in that minute span of the how many you can get and try and build on that so they're kind of the four that i'm heading towards before, have you ever had before, Mark, like you say, all right, all, you have difficulty getting up in this example off the ground. And then you say, I want it, I want you to get up off the ground. And then they just look at you with pure fear. Like how every time how do you approach <laughs> that? What's yeah, it's a face of disgust, I reckon. It's like it's yeah, it's <laughs> just to <laughs> look like I told you that I don't like it. You want, me to what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, it's it's a serious question. Though. It's important, like because you yeah, I explained to them straight away, go, you've mentioned it getting up of the ground is a difficult thing and you want to get better at it the only way we can find that out is first have a look at how you go about doing it and then later on we can retest to see improvement so um i do try and make it comfortable like if we get into an area where they got things to hold on if they feel unbalanced so near a bench or a chair or Mm. um something like that um i'm next to them too if they need support again i can help them up if they really get stuck um, so try and make it as comfortable as possible, but definitely not shying away from it. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I've seen, always, I've seen... Go, Toshi. Sorry, I've I seen someone's client in the gym the other day uh, where they had like a chair face towards them and one of those foam mats on the ground and the client was literally just going knee down, other knee down, stand back up, stand back up, which I thought was a really good idea in terms of like training to kneel and get down and up. You probably stole that idea too, didn't you? Yeah. So <laughs> <some sort> of- <laughs> you could probably time something like that create your own test the um the mark the consideration i've had with those guys in the past is making sure what i'm making sure i understand and, and confirming with them what their their barrier is is it physical or is it psychological i'm embarrassed um i'm scared and if it's if it's a psychological one like i'm scared or i'm embarrassed i'll probably wait like my personally i would wait till i I've got a little bit more rapport or maybe one or two little wins or develop some trust with them. And then I would introduce something like that. I don't want to scare them too soon. Would that change in the location you're at? So if you're at their house, do you think you'd still go, okay, you're embarrassed. However, we're here by ourselves. I'm still willing to give it a go. Yeah. Because because I'm new. I'm different and they don't know me that much yet. So if this is in the initial I would be okay, like because I want them to trust that exercise is going to be something that's good for them, and not oh this guy turns up and makes me do shit I'm scared of, and uh, I'm I'm deeply embarrassed at my now inability to do something I used to do all the time. So once they get a bit more comfortable with that, but as I said, like that's something I would I want to clarify with it first. So if they are able to do it, or they're, they're okay with it, um, yeah, let's do it. But if they're like really against it, I don't want to push them down that path, and then they just up and cancel because of that horrible experience they just went through so that's something i just try to just try to clarify and seek out with them first try yeah it would be my approach but it's it's certainly like you want to know how they can do it if you can Mm. but yeah the outcome measures it's sort of like when i was thinking about it you can go in different ways right so you can go looking for body functions and structures so like you we mentioned there that she the client carries her arm in that sort of sling position now is that just the physical um, change now that it is in that position. Um, and then you can go activity and her abilities to engage in activities and then her ability to participate in activities. So they're all slightly different um, categories of things, but they can have overlap as well. So you can draw your outcome measures out of those. So can you or can you not do a, a bodily function or get into a, a certain position? And then there's activities that can you or can you not complete them? And then participation, are you able to to participate in certain things? And I can draw outcome measures out of those things. So it's sort of targeting multiple aspects of that person's life. Um, But yeah, I guess within that, some of the things I would have would be like psych questionnaires. So I want to keep track of how they're feeling um, mentally. So you can do DAS 21s and Beck depression scales, things like that. So they're easy, they're reliable, they're pretty quick. You can do that. Um, physical stuff. So I, um, similar to what you had there, Joshi, like you can do like a barrage of tests. So they're, they're probably more OT based, but there's stroke rehabilitation assessment of movement. So it's a barrage of tests. It takes time. It takes about 15 minutes, but it's got normative data you can compare to. It's reproducible. Um, so it's got a lot of positives in that way. It sort of assesses lower body, upper body, um, specific to stroke. So if you've got the time, we want it to be able to roll through that. I guess downsides is it's not super specific. It's not sort of tailored, like tailored to that individual. Um, other little things you could run through is sort of posture analysis, gait analysis. I don't know, like how much would you guys use those? I find them to be like, they're fairly subjective and I don't know, I believe limited. I'm like, okay, I can see that your posture looks like this, but it doesn't necessarily tell me anything about why or what am I going to do about it? Um looking as I go and keeping some my own mental notes but I'm not yeah. basing, I'm not basing my programming off off that um yeah so, yeah so it's as you said it's very subjective and there's multiple range of things that mm. without doing other tests they could be causing certain abnormalities yeah um the big one I, I threw in there I think you guys touched on was the dinosaur so compared the left to right that seemed to interview where she was having issues was left side versus right side but then she said a whole body weakness so it'd be interesting to confirm or deny that. And then we can track that over time. Um, another specific OT one, um, it gets more um, geared towards the upper body is the motor assessment scale. Uh, again, pretty involved. You need a bit of equipment. It takes a bit of time. It's reproducible, good normative data um, specific to upper body function, but not hyper-specific to that individual. But um, those are the things I would look at in terms of a balance of I, w- I probably wouldn't do them all but that's probably what i'd be trying to pick from a little bit of normative data reproducible and then some that are really specific to the client so thoughts additions questions <laughs> there a lot of them related to stroke so definitely worth it um mm. yeah i think that's some interesting ones there have you what about sort of so like those tests right they're, they're all fairly formal tests and quite objective all the rest of it what about sort of coming up with a test that's just specific to this individual so coming up with a test based off where she's saying she's most limited in her normal day-to-day activities so something she'd most like to complete might be cooking for example for this client did we touch on that gardening or cooking something like that yeah i did a little bit on gardening okay my example is cooking so it's cooking (laughs) (laughs) but if it's cooking you could go right out um what's stopping you from from the cooking okay well is it the weight of the pan yes or no it's the weight of the pan okay how heavy is your pan is this, how how long can you currently hold it for and so it could be something as simple as bring the pan in and we can retest how long you can hold it for something like that and then your exercises can be pretty easily built up to improve your ability to hold a pan um, so you can show that over time but it's super specific to what she's currently struggling with which can probably work on motivation and the whole. Why am I doing this? How is this going to help me with my day to day struggles? So, would you guys do something like that? Just it's there's no normative data for holding a pen, as far as I'm aware. But would you include it as an objective test for that? Yeah, um, like that's what I'm I'm basing most of my assessments around that type of testing. So, I guess the reason for it is that. Especially with stroke, everyone's a lot more individual. Yes, there's mm. like the the basis around it is pretty much the same, and they may have the same kind of symptoms. But like someone who you know really struggling with gardening here or cooking in this instance, um, would like that's what they want to get better. At. That's their goal, and they're not here to return to work or they're you know they want to squat X amount at the gym or whatever. They're just mm. wanting to get back to that. So I'm going okay. Let's test it where you are now. And then I'm probably looking at asking them to, okay, you can hold that pan for 30 seconds. How long would you need to hold it for to be comfortable in cooking? And they might go, okay, two minutes. Okay, cool. We got 30 seconds and we can test later on. And our goal is two minutes. So now we got to test, the goal and the outcome. Yeah. I think with stroke as well, it doesn't sound like it with this type of um, with this case study in particular, but you might have a client that's, um, the physical restrictions they have from the stroke means that they can't do certain objective tests. So that's like, if it's a push pull, for example, like we're trying to test their ability to push and pull There's probably they need an ability to, to grip and hold onto something. So now they don't have that ability. You you need to alter that test and come up with another way to find some objective measures for them. So yeah, the specificity of it is, um, is key. But um, Joshy, what do you reckon, mate? We moving on to prescription now? Yeah, sounds good. I love the variety that you just provided. I think the battery of tests is good, but it's got to be really relatable to what people actually want. Mm -hmm. So I like that. It's good. Yeah. Kick us off, mate. What are you looking at in regards to prescription? Uh, Like always, it depends on how they sort of test in their outcome measures. Sure. Uh, In this case, I've gone pretty simple and straightforward to start with under the assumption that, They've got no equipment at home, so I've given them a band. And we're just going with like a lot of sort of standing low limb strength, so like calf raises, hip abductions, hip flexions, et cetera, uh, um, alongside a few little balance activities that we can sort of just set up at home. Um, outside of that, a few upper body ones to help her out with the, the left arm. So you can do some rows, some presses, some side raises, bicep curls, etc. cetera, with the band. Um, And then I'm just sort of progressing or regressing off off those sort of eight to 10 exercises. Yeah, I'm quite similar, I think, in terms of where I'd like to start. And and what I mean by that is fairly simple and traditional. So um, number one, like this client is reasonably functioning, I suppose. So he's going to be able to do majority of the basics in terms of your traditional strengthening and balance exercises is what I'm talking about. But more so than that is, I, for mine, it's going to be the foundation of what we're doing moving forward. We'll, we'll throw some um, some glitter on it and make it some variety and, and, and things like that. So it's a little bit more fun and things like that as we go. But there's going to be certain movements and whatnot that for mine are going to be the base point for what we do. So I'd like them to get that nailed down well, the basics of it nailed down well. I think in the initial part of it, um, the fundamental things are harder to mess up. So they should be able to get that right, come back to me and get, not having any dramas. But uh, there's less things that can go wrong as well, which helps me to build trust and rapport and faith that this is going to be something that works for them. So and what you said as well, Josh, I don't need to rely too much on what equipment they have initially. We could get them some stuff, but that may take a few weeks and which time I just want to form a good understanding and um, routine of the basics that will carry carry through. Where have you started traditionally, Mark, with your prescriptions? Probably I'm very much the same as both you and Joshy there. Um, Shock. Shock so, <laughs> just that's, stealing it, Joshie. I'm taking... still writing it all down. <laughs> Let me quickly. No, no. <laughs> so I've got a little bit different avenue with this case study. I've gone sort of what I do, say I've given them a home program that, yeah, is basic balance, strength, stuff they can do at home, um, of what we will sort of do in our session. So I guess um, I'm assuming that this person has – come into the clinic, um, so access to our equipment. Um, so I'm starting with some, something aerobic to begin with, so a little bit of a warm-up, but also to get the heart working a little bit, so bike, treadmill. Um, I've gone with a treadmill for this client to help with their, their walking and gait, so I'm assuming that that would be affected as well, so um, we can look at that. I'm going to do some basic resistance training strength, so I'm doing a lot of single-sided stuff so the right side isn't doing too much work over the left side and keeping it like compound movements as well so push pull squatting all the big ones that are more functional to what she's doing at home um so i'm probably not doing much like maybe like bicep curls or stuff like that i want them doing a bit bit larger movements and then i'm finishing off with some some balance or some reaction control so I even turning that attention to like into a game even so i know i've done once before of like we got a little basketball hoop in the gym so bouncing the dribbling the basketball or dribbling the soccer ball you know takes all the sort of things like balance coordination control everything into it and also a bit of fun for the client as well which we talked about mental health before if make them enjoy the session as well it could build a relationship and help with their mental health so um, that's the direction i'm going I think it's um, just sort of reflecting there as we were chatting about that. Uh, It's important that our language at the start, there isn't, Oh, we're just going to, we're just going to do the basics or these, you know, whatever it's the exercises. Whilst they may be simple or traditional, whatever language you would like to put around it there, are super important. And it's important. They get done well, they're going to make a massive difference. I think we do need to um, convey that with our language when we're starting out. Like, I'm just going to get you to do these ones. Like, okay, are these not the super duper sexy exercises that are going to help me? Like, we got to be clear there. But um, that said, I think it like, do you guys think it's okay that the, the client has a program they complete at home? That's different to what they do in the gym here with us. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. What, what do you tell me about that? What do you do there? I like, I like that. They have variety. They can go home and not have to do the same thing they do at the clinic. It makes it. Yeah. Even, I am just it makes the clinic environment more enjoyable too because you find that people like no one has equipment at home or well, minimal sort of people have equipment at home, they like coming in and using the leg press or using the bike or things like that. So, I want to make the clinic experiences as enjoy enjoyable. Enjoyment. Enjoyable. 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 (laughs) Enjoyful. You're right there, mate. Yeah, okay. An absolute shocker there. As enjoyable as 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 I can. Um, and then keeping staff at home quite simple because I'm not there with them. So the most they're gonna sort of have is a support worker who, as we like to argue, has not had as much training as as we have in prescribing, monitoring, altering exercises for individuals with chronic Mm -hmm. disease and might write that down, Joshi. That's another topic. <laughs> 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 but I agree with you there, man. Absolutely. I think if um if the client can just do these key fundamental exercises at home without you, well then why come and see you? Like I think it's important. Um, you take some take some initiative and some pride and, and make your sessions creative and enjoyable and um a sense of it, like it's a highlight for that person's week to come in and engage with you in that session. Get the most you can out of that session. So, if that means utilizing some more of the equipment that you do have available to you, then I think that's yeah, like let's look to do that. It's um, yeah, in my mind, I think it's okay to. This is what you got to do when you're at home, and that sets us up to be able to do these other things when you come into the gym. So, uh, what about you? something like PD Warrior? You guys have heard of that, the Parkinson's um exercise program would you incorporate something like that for a stroke-based client yeah potentially i'd say like it kind of flows on to a little bit of what we do anyway it's not the same exercise as you see in a pd warrior type program but the basis behind it is very similar so like that explosive type exercise or that that quick one um it's flows into probably like our uh, the motor control reaction game type stuff I'm aiming to do towards the end of our session. So, you know, they have to react to to a change in variable or stimulus within the session. So um, I guess the principle is the same there, but I guess it's probably still done a little bit differently to PD warrior. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to agree with Mark. <laughs> oh, copy me here. we go. <laughs> uh, No, I think like, like you said, you can sort of review those sorts of, there's, there's more out there outside of PD Warrior, but it's a good basis for ideas, I guess, if you lack in ideas and then be able to adapt those sort of batteries or programs or whatnot to the specific individual Um, where you're just like changing a few things that would probably suit them more. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like it. I think um sometimes it can be just good to it's – it's a little bit more lighthearted and fun. Like I, I challenge you to do some of those PD Warrior exercises and not laugh. So I think that's – <laughs> that, that's – a good place like generally you're having a good time and you laugh which i think is awesome for yeah we're talking about the mental health implications for people with stroke so um yeah think about think about how you can borrow from other um, pathologies and incorporate exercise programs that they might do into into the stroke category but is that something you guys have incorporated in the past i'm probably i'd say like i haven't done it with a stroke client in the past purely from limited to um, access, their mobility, um, someone usually they require like a family member or someone to drive them there, which does really limit what they can do. However, I know like some of these clients have done it with other practices before previously, um, but yeah, definitely a fan of hydrotherapy um, to incorporate in with what we're normally doing within our program. But yeah, I just find there's probably those barriers of transport, um, getting them there, finding an appropriate place, time, yeah there's a lot of barriers since working at hunter rehab i've not taken any neuro clients to the pool mainly just musk but when i worked at the hospital prior obviously like just having that inpatient sort of stroke rehab coming to the pool we did a a fair few under that sort of like program yeah Yeah, i think as you touched on it and something you need to ask at the start is what is your access like to these things like could you get access to it but Uh, For mine, the hydrotherapy side of things, if they had access to it, they were able to to go and utilize it. It's something I would ask them to go and do in their own time. I would get them, uh, put together a pool program for them um, on our software here and then encourage them to include that in their exercise routine one or two days a week outside of what we are doing. Um, I like the variety for them. Um, There's some evidence as well saying that hydrotherapy is pretty beneficial. It can really along, um, progressing gait, balance, those sorts of things. Um, I think majority of it says more research is needed, but I think most of the stuff these days does say that. But, yeah, I like it for a little bit of variety. I, I think you can just help that person sort of feel like they're doing everything they can to get better as well. It's not like we've missed something. But I guess it's been un, unspoken in our, in our chats there is how often do you want this person to be exercising? Like, that, that, with it un, not, not restricted um, daily twice three times a day depending on the level as well so say like our session our programming like once a day but also incorporating w- movements that they're trying to work on so let's say they're trying to get better at walking um, get them walking a couple of times a day because you want them to just repeat movements so that's how you build that mind muscle sort of connection so we're trying to get them to to just repeat the movement as much as possible mm. um so yeah i'm trying to encourage them to to keep active as much as possible yeah i was um i mean i i was i knew we needed to get our, um, our stroke clients moving a lot but i was quite shocked to read that it's up to 15 hours a week of, of exercises sort of yeah great. i've even heard like up to like 400 repetitions a day as well of a particular mm. movement so you know just trying to improve shoulder flexion trying to do that 400 times a day is is, is a lot so um yeah can be beside us <laughs> yeah i guess within that you can sort of see the importance of having a little bit of variety the education around why these things are important um to really help this person maintain the program uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of sit to stand. If that's all you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, I can. I think you can expect that to drop off pretty quick. So, um, lots of variety. Uh, do you, how much? How much proprioception do you try to include within that program as well? Like just getting the person to feel as much as just do the movement. And have you got any specifics yeah. with how you would try to get that me? Yeah, different sort of one depends. Like depends on what the activity is and and sort of what the goals are again. Now we say this a lot, but
1: different well, sort this,
0: of move. If you've got this client here with with like the case study, so she's sixty, she wants to get back to gardening, yeah, the left sided thing, like what yeah. To, how would you try to include a further? So that's that'd be the thing. It'd be more focused on that left side affected activities that I'd be looking at. So, for instance, if we were doing a doing a banded row, just to really numb it down, you know, focus on squeezing the band, focus on pulling back with your elbow hold it still, let it back out nice and slow, just trying to reduce or break down the movement into like those small little things so, so that that person can sort of feel each component or each muscle sort of like working and, and building that up. Um, and then re- regards like proprioception, you mean like balance sort of activities? Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I guess just try, trying to to feel as much as you are just completing the exercise. Yeah, I guess with the balance activities, it's probably more about like getting that that mind connection like really focus mm. on what you're doing one thing at a time um because you can sort of build on those balance activities where you've got like uh, you know when you have got a count back from 30 by 3 backwards where you're adding in that extra sort of activity to try and make it a little bit harder mm. um so yeah small focuses to start with and then expanding from there mm. i like to see little things like um um, one we saw recently in a clinic with uh, EP Kels, she had one of the clients trying to like scrunch up a towel with the foot, Yeah, so really trying to encourage those small, fine motor things, but the feeling of the towel and the imagery in your head, I think that's what you just touched on, of trying to scrunch up that towel can really help the movement along. So I think um, where possible, it's not where possible, but trying to find ways to, um, to incorporate that concept into your prescriptions. But um one we haven't got here, guys, which I would like to get involved here in the clinic, a bit of virtual reality. Have you guys had any any reading or done any research, sorry, about the virtual reality headsets and its ability to impact stroke rehab? Um, yeah, I haven't personally done much to do with virtual reality um, or headsets. Like, we don't have it at the clinic. so. Um, but I have had a – it's not a stroke, but a Parkinson's client that has done it. Um, before and and thinks it's really good but yeah i think like price wise i think said it's pretty expensive to do which sort of put them off it a little bit which is obviously a barrier to work around but yeah they said they they enjoyed it and found it fun variety and and surprising how much like it actually challenges them mentally as well as physically to be able to do whatever the, the task is yeah, that was where I was sort of coming from with it. Like, if you if you can get access to it, if you've got it at your clinic or your clinic can get it or even just your client can go somewhere and, and get access to it, I think it provides a, an unrivaled level of variety, um, fun, and then, yeah, just motivation for that client. Like, it's a it's a totally different setting. that's like going from the land-based gym to hydrotherapy. It's another level like that um, that can provide real challenge. But I think it's important as well, like, um, it won't replace those traditional exercises. Like, you know, to get stronger, you're going to need to move some heavier weights and, um, yeah, that sort of thing. So you can't do away with that completely. But, um, yeah, the, the VR stuff could be um, an awesome addition to your program. All righty, guys, getting towards the end of it now, I, w- I would have thought, but uh, a group class is probably one of the other considerations I would have when uh, thinking about my programming for a stroke client. So do I have other... I guess in this case, stroke clients or or clients that are similarly um, affected. So not necessarily by stroke, they have similar sort of um, impacts on their functionality that could jump into a class together and have shared experiences and motivate each other and support each other. Um, That can also help with costs. So if you've got guys jumping into a group class, generally the costs come down because there's more people in the class. So that can just prolong their access to, um, to your services. So that's a factor I would weigh up um for anyone in this situation have you ever done group classes with stroke-based clients josh no nah, no no neurological classes but um, uh, other sorts of classes like diabetes and and sort of like active aging ones and people just love the social aspect of it yeah. they come in they can have a chat they they go out afterwards they go have lunch together like it's mm. it's huge for what we're talking about for mental health yeah uh, ryan and i did a podcast the other day about um the whole group class setting um But yeah, all all of those benefits are there. And and now you you consider a client that's possibly had a lot of that stuff taken away from them through not being able to drive and um, just that independence, they can't do that themselves. Then being able to then providing that to them in terms of um, your rehabilitation process is you really are keeping back to them beyond just a physical rehabilitation program can really kick along your results. So something to think about. 100%. 100% like Tommy's boys every is every second friday or every friday it's the most energy in the clinic it's all week full, it's, it's full on the, the boys massive. get the golf clubs out it's a putt off there's basketball going on it's it's insane it. it's the least, product, least, <laughs> least productive it's the least productive I'll be in, in two weeks Yeah. <laughs> and look those boys just feed off each other it's it's great to see they give each other energy which is you know what you need sometimes just a bit of a lift from someone else exactly right so it's uh Something to look at, uh, get your clinic involved, get them putting on some group classes for you, uh, level up with your stroke prescriptions. All righty, guys. What do you reckon? Have we How well have we covered off that case study? Happy? Got it all done? Yeah. I like it. The only thing I would additionally touch on, and again, it's going to sound like I'm a massive fan of o- OTs and other health professionals, but if they're on the NDIS, thoughts nothing- on... Nothing. Thoughts on making the gardening task easier by getting it off the ground and creating a, a hip height garden. Now, that, that's not something abs- we do, but that's something you'd communicate with your coordinator support if it's on NDIS or the other health professionals that are involved. Um, you know, don't Absolutely. be afraid to pick up the phone and, and talk to these other people. Yeah, for sure. Like um, something certainly within the workers comp sector you would you would do that is communicate with the other people involved in this uh in in what would be a claim but if if you know that this person has got other people that are helping them out like reach out make contact let them know what you're doing seek what seek to understand what they're doing work out how you can best help this person um it's going to take a little bit of time to do that but i mean if you're looking to provide the best help possible to this person well then working together with that other health professional uh, be a good way to do that mate so um, if nothing else it's going to get that person doing something they love sooner. I mean, it's not necessarily the garden in the ground, but they're still gardening. That's, mm. that's an aspect of their life that they've been missing. And perhaps that gives them a little pickup that just gets them through the next little rough patch. So um, this can continue towards your goals. something A little bit more long-term achievable too. Mm. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. I think, uh, I think we've covered it all there for today. Uh, those listening along if you've got any other questions thoughts queries i'm sure you can send it through to us we'll try to address it um, get back to you about it but for now that'll do us and we'll we'll catch you again in the next one bye for now hey guys thank you for listening to another episode of the ep growth podcast if you would like to be mentored by one of the high performing exercise physiologists at hunter rehab and health please visit epgrowthpodcast.com and click on the mentoring page to learn more Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends so we can ultimately grow this profession together. Thank you.